Hey everyone, welcome to Ascend Together, a podcast where we explore the relationship between our physical and spiritual health. Ascend Together is hosted by myself, Brigham Rupp, and Ryan Israelson. I'm an instructor with the Seminary and Institute programs for the Church of Jesus Christ, and Ryan is a medical doctor specializing in allergies. Our goal on the podcast is to talk to people who are passionate about reaching their physical and spiritual potential hear their stories, discover their ideas and best practices that help them on their journey. Thanks for joining us. For our first official episode, we're talking with Joel Draxler from Northern Utah. Joel is a husband and father of five, a real estate appraiser, an avid outdoorsman, and an accomplished cyclist. Joel has won Latoja twice, which is the famed race between Logan and Jackson, Wyoming. And he recently completed an Everest challenge, which is where you climb the vertical equivalent of Mount Everest over 29,000 feet in a single day. When I had the idea for the podcast, Joel was one of the first people that I thought of. And I think you'll see why in our conversation. Joel is both an amazing athlete and a humble and powerful disciple of Christ. We were truly blessed to get to talk with him and we hope you enjoy it. Well, we really appreciate you doing this, Joel. Um, and I know you know Brigham, and we yeah. kind of introduced ourselves. Uh, but do you want to just uh, give us a little rundown, kind of yourself, a little information about you and your family that we could just use to people who listen to a podcast might want to just get to know you really quickly? Okay, sure. Yeah. So uh, Joel Draxler, I live in the Logan, Utah area. Um, I have an amazing wife and I've got five kids and a dog. And uh, I pretty much do love anything outdoors. Uh, I just have a passion for everything outdoors. As I've gotten older, my time has become a little more limited. So those hop that list of hobbies has had to shrink down some. So now I pretty much run with my wife and ride my bike. And now we've just started getting into rock climbing again with my son because he's been super excited to do that. So we spent the off season this last year accumulating gear and getting all prepped so we could do that together. And the whole family likes to go do that, except my wife, because she's scared that one of the kids are going to die. But we go and have fun anyways. That's awesome. I yeah. Love yeah, we've we've been doing it together a little bit. So awesome. I grabbed a gym membership when I got here and and found out that Ryan was pretty experienced. So yeah, I think you convinced me. I I usually just climb outdoors. So Brigham oh. actually got me into gym climbing a little bit since the season isn't there's not as much good rock climbing around here. Oh really? Yeah. It's nice variety against like a lot of cardio. Yeah. Like destroy your arms and. Yeah, for sure. I'm horrible, but it's fun. Well, that's, that's how I feel. I mean, I, I go up the Canyon up Logan Canyon and I'd go to climbs that I used to be like warm up climbs. And I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Like my brain remembers how to climb, but my body has no clue anymore. Yeah. I have no flexibility. I have no strength. And so it's just like, crap, I can't do this anymore. But it's. So, did you do that a lot in high school? I'm trying to remember in the Nordas days, I don't remember that being, I don't, I just don't remember it being something I associated with you, but. Yeah, I climbed a lot in high school and prior to my mission, but then when I got home from my mission and we worked together at Nordas, I didn't have anyone to climb with because like, everyone I climbed with Andy Beck and all those guys, you know, Beck was gone. Uh, I, everyone else was married and had kids and moved on to other things. And so, yeah, I didn't really climb for a long time. So I had always intended to get into climbing, uh, but I just never got around to it. The expense and the time. So before we go too deep, I got to give my, perspective of Joel from uh the Nordas days so he's a he's a humble guy so he's not gonna like this I don't think but I got on at Nordas uh after the mission 
and um, so Norda's is a ski shop. It was a ski shop in Logan, Utah, and it was such a cool crew working there, but Joel was one of the guys working there. And mostly it seems like you were able to just kind of do your thing in the shop a lot of the time tuning. And I think you were the, the ski whisperer for sure. But in my mind coming in there, you were pretty much like local legend status uh, on the mountain bike and on the skis, riding your bike off of Greenville elementary jumping the fence up at the mouth of green canyon like i went and i remember checking out that jump and being like what so i'm breaking my collarbone when i did that (laughs) (laughs) back in the early days of like the free ride thing like joel was shredding on the bike and then uh probably my my favorite memory is uh i honestly can't remember if we skied more than once but i know there was at least one day where I went with you and Andy up up to Beaver Mountain, up Logan Canyon. And if you want to get the good powder up there, you go out onto the backside. And Joel's on skis. Of course, I'm knuckle dragging it. And I was a decent snowboarder. I don't think you would have let me back there if I wasn't. But I still can picture you skiing the backside in front of me and and that was when my eyes were first open to like what you can do on snow like oh like so this is like how you do this stuff and that one day like i have ridden faster and like more aggressively ever since then like i'm sure i still couldn't keep up but like it it legitimately like changed my perspective of what was possible on snow i know you think i'm like blowing smoke at you but i was like dude so I was chasing Andy Beck and he was the king of high speed and I was just holding on for dear life. You just couldn't see me screaming. Yeah, oh, never, I can picture <laughs> it. And uh, ever since then too, I've always appreciated snowboarding with skiers because they've always helped me be a, I think I've been a faster, better snowboarder for mostly riding with skiers most of my life. So so yeah, I mean, you got married and moved on, can't work at the shop forever. And I moved to Arizona to teach seminary and somewhere along the way, ran into you on Strava. And then at some point in there, like realized like this guy's the big time cyclist. Like, uh, I don't know, That's that was a number of years ago now. And then just to, you know, to pump up your ego a little bit more, like legitimately every time I think I've like done something cool physically, like I see your Strava and I'm like, Oh, Joel did like 5,000 feet of vert today (laughs) and like a hundred miles. So like I can do more next time, you know, in my own little way, I don't cycle, but Ryan does. Um, but just on the mountain bike. So anyway, it's been cool to watch and, um even though you might not want to share with us like a couple of your favorite uh physical accomplishments that you're that you're pleased with when you look back well all right so uh, as far as cycling goes um last year uh winning my category in lodija was definitely one um it was pretty awesome. I won the year before as well, but I felt like the year before I only won because one of my good friends uh, who was without a doubt stronger than me got a flat 10 miles from the finish line. And so it took him out and it kind of left me in the prime position. Um, but last year was was all on my own, so to speak. I got in the breakaway um, and was able to stay there. And, and so I was really pleased with that. And then, uh, just a few weeks ago, I Everested, which was huge for me because I'm not a climber. Um, I'm a little bit bigger guy, so I don't go uphill as well as some of the featherweights, but, uh, I have another good friend, Aaron, who 
a year ago said, hey, why don't we Everest? And I told him, heck no, I don't go uphill like that. No way do I want to get that kind of elevation in a day. And um, but then he hit me up again this year and uh, I said, yeah, let's let's go for it. And so we trained up this spring and I think it was three or four weeks ago we did that. So that's if for those that don't know, you just pick a hill, any hill you want, uh, and you do repeats on the hill until you get the elevation gain of Mount Everest in one day. So 29,029 feet. We ended with 29,254 feet. And uh, it was it was brutal. It took us 17 hours to do it. Uh, so it was a long, slow day, but it was super cool because there's no cheating, like yeah, going five miles an hour uphill, you can't draft, you can't do it, you know, no one can help you. You're just left to yourself to grind it out. And it was, it was awesome. We had such a cool turnout. We had dozens of people come out and ride with us for a few laps. We had uh, two different people ride almost half of it with us each. So we, we just about had someone there the whole time. I mean, we had people show up at the end and shoot video and like it when it's when we started it to me, it was like, oh, this will be a cool thing to check off my checklist. But the more the day went on, the more I was like, this is kind of a big deal to everyone else. This is and it became a bigger deal throughout the day for me as well. And it was just super fun, super, That's super awesome. accomplished. A, a lot of commitment, Joel. I'm wondering what changed from last year to this year to make you decide to do that? Um, my fear that I wouldn't get any racing in. So Just we, coronavirus. yeah, I mean, we, we act, we, Aaron had asked me if I wanted to do it in like January or February. And I was toying with the idea, but I didn't really love the idea. But then once COVID hit and I started to see all our spring races getting canceled, I was like, this is, we might as well Everest, because if I don't have something to work towards, like my season's going to fall apart and I'm just going to end up, not that there's anything wrong with just going out and riding for fun, but I haven't ridden just for fun for like three years now. I mean, it's fun and I love it. I, I, I love riding my bike and it's always fun, but the purpose has always been to get faster and stronger and better and more competitive. So. Like a goal oriented thing where I got this race, I wanna train for that and do something. For exactly. Because yeah. I have the green is, or the grass is greener syndrome. And so if I'm not like planning on something and working towards something, I'll start to look elsewhere. And before I know it, I'm onto a totally new hobby. And something that I used to do is just left by the wayside because I didn't focus on it, you know, very much, so. Interesting. Yeah. So, okay, two questions about one about the Everesting. How confident did you feel when it was time to do it that that you had it in you? I mean, at that point, were you like, yeah, like this is going to be painful, but I'm we've got it? Or was there a little bit of like wondering? Um, at the start of the day, it was. I'm pretty sure we can do this. Um, after about 10,000 feet, I was like, game on, we're good. Like, I, I just felt great. I, I, I mean, 10,000 feet in a day is a pretty big ride for almost anyone. And uh, so once I hit that point and I still felt really, really good and I wasn't, I just, like all worry went away and it was hard, um, but I never was like, I've been in way darker on Lodija in particular, way darker places on Lodija than I ever did Everesting. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I had fun the whole time, even though I was exhausted at the end. So I've ridden Lodija a couple of times, and I did. I think it was the 2005 Lodija, where it like snowed over yeah. the Strawberry Pass. There were people dropping out all over the place because they were just, you know frozen people were delirious it's a terrible ride but just going back it takes a lot of preparation to 
you know, get ready for a big ride like that, whether it's Lodija, doing Everest and accomplishing those things. Um, and I know you put in a lot of work to do those types of things. And since we are talking about, you know, our, this is kind of about physical stuff and spiritual stuff. Um, I'm just curious, you know, prepping for bike races and things, you got to put in a lot of hours on your bike, saddle time, going uphill. Uh, do you have like goals and things you do the same thing spiritually to try to like, oh, I've got this I want to commit to or set a goal in scripture study or something else that keeps you motivated spiritually? Absolutely. Um, almost all of them are focused on our kids, you know, my goals and, and um, you know, of course, every week is to have, we're still doing home church. So every week is not only to have it, but be, be prepared for it. And so, you know, to try and spend time during the week studying the different weekly programs and listening and reading the scriptures so that we can be prepared for it. Um, but uh, also just living, it's just important to me that I live in a way that I can have the spirit. Um, I just it's super important to me that I have the spirit. My patriarchal blessing says that I'll actually learn by the spirit more than any other source. And so it's pretty important to me that I have the spirit with me. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily sit down and write out goals. Um, when we've been challenged multiple times the last few years to read the Book of Mormon, that's been a personal goal that I've tried to do. And, um, you know, but Really, it's just living the gospel every day is is kind of my goal, you know, to go home every day. My wife at dinner every day says, when did you feel the spirit today? She asked me, she asked all our kids. Yeah. And, you know, so honestly, that's a goal I have every day is to, to be cognizant of when I feel the spirit so that when she asks that question, I have an answer. Um, and just because I've noticed that her asking that question has really helped me to recognize it more. So it's awesome that you're kind of cognizant of that because uh, a lot of times, you know, maybe you go throughout the day, you have like a spiritual experience. And if you just forget about it, it you're not going to let it change you or, or help you become better. Um, I think that's an awesome thing you do as a family, just your wife, you know, asking kind of jogging your memory like how did christ help you today what what spiritually happened to you today um have you had any experiences i'm just curious spiritually similar to your everest where you're like yeah i got this like i'm prepped i'm ready i've done all the stuff i need to 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 do this spiritual wise no i i feel really <laughs> i feel I, I feel really underqualified for anything i do uh, in, in the, you know, as far as church callings and like parenting, I'm just, I'm always feeling like I'm underprepared on that side. I just, I mean, the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And so. That's, oh, that's an interesting difference that you observe there. And I think. I haven't thought it through, so I would have to, but just off the top of my head, I think maybe you're landing on something that is the Lord's way. Like you can live worthily so that when circumstances come that require something of you, whether it's a calling or a challenge or a trial, that you can then, it's almost like the Lord gives you those and then you become capable of them through them right almost like it'd be like here's a bike now start everesting and you're like i don't ride bikes yeah <laughs> right like that's it's almost like that's the lord's way in a lot of circumstances versus like hey this is you know this is going to come up down the road so you know that's a, that's just an interesting thing i want to think more about that well i also think in some ways your humility um speaks volumes because if you said, oh yeah, I always got it spiritually. I'm always on target. Um, you know, just, it's a little bit more of a pride type of thing where it, it is a little different attitude probably between 
something physical like loaded you you're like yeah i've prepped i've trained i'm, I'm gonna do this but spiritually you've got to go in and you've got to be prepared to fill the spirit and to be guided by that and sometimes all your preparation and all your thoughts you start teaching a lesson or you start doing something with your kids and you're like none of that am I going to use? And you just go a completely other way. Often, right. Like the spirit will direct you in those ways. Absolutely. So. Well, and in the gospel, there's, there are no, like, there are no goals. There are no benchmarks. You know, I mean, everything you can say, well, I have the goal to read your scriptures every day and, and we should, and we hope to. And, but like, it's not like, Hey, I did that today. I don't have to tomorrow or, you know, we did church this week. We don't have to next week. Like everything's just a continual progression and a constant, you know, just trying to do as much right as we can all the time. And just, you know, you just continually grow and continually progress and learn more and more along the way. And, you know, you do have all those stepping points of baptism and then you know, getting the priesthood if you're a man and then going on a mission and then finding a spouse, getting married in the temple. And, and you know, I felt prepared for all those until I got there. You know, I didn't go on my mission till I was 22. I, I, I was totally away from the church from the time I was 16 until I was 21. I had nothing to do with the church other than what my parents forced me to do. And I never thought in a million years I'd serve a mission, but, you know, I did. And I had a big ego when I got out in the mission field. And I can remember very clearly uh, thinking, you know, I've got this. I'm older. Um, I've, I've got more life experience, um, you know, and I got there and I was like getting schooled by all these 19 year old kids is how I was looking at them. And you know, and, and just they were teaching with the spirit better. They knew they, they seemed smarter with their knowledge of the scriptures. And again, like it was like the more I learn, the more I realize I don't really know that much. And so it's is just a, a forever process, I think. And I mean, it's awesome. It's great that we can do it and that the spirit will just continue to build with us all the time. You do those simple little things and it just continues to build and build and build. And, you know, it just is amazing. You don't ever fatigue spiritually unless you stop building. Yeah. You, know, you never hit a benchmark. You can train and hit a, you know, you can lift weights, but eventually you're going to hit a point that you can't lift more without changing things up. And spiritually, like, you do, you live your, you live the gospel and you never hit a benchmark. Like you just continue to grow because there's always something else we can work on. And I think, you know, when you talk about changing things up physically, uh, I think a lot of times you have to do that in a spiritual sense too. You know, like you've read the Book of Mormon before, you get another goal to read it again, but every time you read it, it feels like it changes or the message it's giving to you can change based on what you need. So it was a 21 year old missionary reading the scriptures. You were looking at that as trying to like teach an investigator. And now as a father, I assume you read the scriptures thinking more about like your son, your daughters, and how you can teach them about like life lessons and, and the stuff you study. So it's nice to have that, that changing, um, I guess your viewpoint, so to say, to, to help you even grow more as you keep going. It does, it changes continually. Yeah, for sure. So let me ask you this. It strikes me that maybe there's a correlation with physical activity. You mentioned wanting to have races and things that push you and help you, um, which could kind of be a little analogous to some of those benchmarks you mentioned in the church. But if those church benchmarks are like all we care about, there's like this whole spirit and value that we miss. I'm guessing, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is there like an underlying desire for like health and fitness that those events fit into? Do you know what I mean? Like, so that when you win a race, you don't quit cycling because on a deeper level, there's something more there than just those events, even though they help you, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I think you're asking, like, for me, the underlying thing would be our, my testimony 
you know, I mean, just because you've been baptized or you've gone to the temple or you've been sealed or whatever, like it's not done, you know, and, and there's that continual progression, like knowing that there's something more to learn. There's, you know, I mean, none of us are perfect. There are always things that we can do better at. And I'm a huge believer in complimenting ourselves on what we're doing right. But there's always things that we can better. And I don't know if that answers your question, but, you know, I don't think you can, the, the desire to grow that testimony and to stay strong, you know, like, I don't know, especially for my kids, it's just so dang important that they understand that I really love the gospel and that I live the gospel as, as a part of my life. It's not Sunday's church. The rest of the week is something else. It's every day is the gospel. And that doesn't mean we have to be a zealot and just be all crazy and about it and like super uh, like extreme about our beliefs, but just living the gospel every day is the best we can. And I don't know, it just always improves and always makes life better, I think. That's well said. I think that that attitude bears fruit. So I think it's fair to say that you spend a, a good amount of time on your bike. How do you, how do you slot? Do you see physical activity as, as part of that whole journey or is it something that you're like slotting in there as, I don't even know how I would describe it. I mean, I already know what I think. I, I think it's all a package deal, but I guess, what I'm asking about is how your physical health and your spiritual health, how those come together and and matter to you and, and interact. Well, I think what's good for the soul is good for the body. What's good for the body is good for the soul. And so, yeah, I think a hundred percent, my training, whether it be running, cycling, climbing, hiking, anything like it's good because of the perspective it gives me on where I fit in God's plan. It gives me perspective and gratitude for what I've been blessed with to be able to do the things that I do. And it's absolutely tied together. You know, I, I think it's absolutely tied together. When I started on, uh, you know, we talked on the phone break and I, I told you a little bit of like when I, kind of started getting healthy again uh, because I had had two kids. I was working full time. Um, I worked on a second floor. My office was on the second floor of a building and I went up the stairs one day and I was winded when I got to the top. And I'm not a big guy. I mean, I'm, I'm even then I was like a hundred and 80, 85 pounds, maybe. So I wasn't a huge guy. And people that looked at me probably wouldn't have said, Oh, you're a fatso, but I was I was skinny fat, man, I had zero cardio, zero fitness, I was blown out after going up two stairs, two flights of stairs, and then going down the same day, everything jiggled. And I noticed like, I'm like, I don't know how long everything has jiggled going downstairs, but it's not supposed to be. And you know, but as I look back, you know, as I was preparing for today and looking at some of the questions you guys sent over and stuff, I, I realized that all of that, there were a lot of things going on in my life at that time that were being affected with my relationships, with my job, um, with my spiritual happiness and my spiritual dedication. You know, frankly, I wasn't real dedicated to my job. I was dedicated to church to some degree, but not to the level that I could have been and that I feel like I am now. And I feel like, you know, I was pretty selfish at that time and kind of just pushing for what I wanted uh, rather than focusing on Carrie Ann and my kids and and providing what they needed. And, uh, you know, I started running and uh, I, started running like Brig talked about on his interview, you know, it was 
couple times around the block and then it was around two blocks and then it was a mile and then it was three miles and then it was five and you know eventually I got to where I was running some pretty long distances and really loving running and but as that fitness came back you you just naturally find more joy in life you find more happiness in the things that you're doing I think because you're seeing that accomplishment you're seeing that positivity in yourself that I don't know where else you get it. You know, it doesn't come from someone else. It, it just comes from, you know, seeing yourself succeed and progress. And whenever you start to excel at one thing in your life, it bleeds over into everything else. Well, you know, it, I, I, I think anyways, you know, if I'm going to go to a doctor, I, I want a doctor who's the best at what they do. And usually they have hobbies outside of work that they're really good at as well. You know, and like, no matter what it is, I think that it helps. I think it all is stuck together and builds off of each other. I have to work on my hobbies a little more, Joel. Maybe you'll come see me one day. But, um, <laughs> sandbagging. <laughs> but I, I like what you said, Joel, because I think you know, one thing that I've recognized in life is sometimes when I feel like I've got a lot of stuff on my plate, I'm really busy. Um, it makes me focus more on doing a task and doing it well. Um, whether it's exercising, you know, and, and when I'm putting in my time, I really just want to focus and, and do really well at it. But it also is the same with like studying the scriptures, you know, if, if you don't have a lot of time to do that kind of stuff, when you do it, you want to do it really well. And so, not only does like exercising like kind of help you mentally just to be able to focus, but I think it, because it uses some of your time, you really have to focus on doing what you're doing even better than you would uh, normally. So I think, you know, as they call it gains, like, oh yeah, I'm faster running, I'm fast, I can lift more weight, I can ski better. I think you get those, like you said, bleed over into other areas where you're like, oh yeah, I'm more focused when I want to study the scriptures. I'm paying attention more like to my job and to my family and to feel the spirit every day when I go home and my wife asks me, what, what experience did you have today where you felt the spirit? Um, so I, that's a good example of how that works. Thanks. Yeah. I think that it, uh, it just helps with, uh, like being present where you are, you know, when I, when I'm on my bike, I'm on my bike. When I'm at work, I'm at work. When I'm at home, I'm with my wife and kids. When I'm studying, I'm studying, you know, and I, I yeah, I agree with you. I think it helps. Mindfulness, I think is what they, they call yeah. it. You're just aware of yourself where you are. So I'm curious, Joel, um, we've talked a lot about kind of uh, exercise stuff you do, goals. Uh, we've talked about like spiritual things you do every day to help. Have you ever had an experience um, while you're biking, doing like Lodija or you know, maybe running one day where you had a spiritual experience because of your exercise and because of your commitment to doing something like that. Or I, I think I saw you hunt quite a bit as well, yeah. like doing something while you're hunting, having like a spiritual prompting or impression. Um, I, I truly believe that the mountains are as spiritual places I ever go. Uh, I've had, I mean, I, I, I go there to clear my head. I go there when I'm seeking revelation. Uh, I, I've received so much revelation being out. Um, but two things that one is kind of a testimony thing. And it's from when I was, I think, 13 or 14 years old. Um, I was mountain biking back then. Uh, I was on a mountain bike ride and it started to rain and Brigham will know right well you will too. I was riding between Green Canyon north up to what is where Greystone is and it was before all the homes were built in there and it was just a dirt trail you know along the deer fence there and I was riding up there and it was super rainy and cold and muddy as could be and uh, my bike just got completely clogged with mud and like to the point that it wouldn't even roll and so I started to push it and then I, you know, my feet are covered in mud and I feel like I can't go any further. And I'm, you know, 13, maybe 14 years old at the time. And 
that was the first time I can remember like pleading with my father in heaven for help, like legitimately feeling like I'm, I don't know how I'm going to get down from here. And, uh, I knelt down, I prayed. And as soon as I got up, this little dog came running up the trail to me. And I was thinking, I, I pray for help and you send me this little dog, like what's this dumb thing gonna do? But then just a couple minutes later was the owner of the dog. And it was just some random guy that went for a hike and he carried my bike for back down to the, to where there was a gravel road and I rode home safe. And I just, I can remember riding home in like a state of euphoria almost of just like, holy crap, it worked. Like he was aware of me, he was aware of my need and he actually sent someone to help me. Um, and I've had, I mean, I've had similar things happen uh, hunting in Wyoming one time, getting lost and uh, in an area I didn't know, praying and literally being guided back to the vehicles. Um, but just a couple of years ago when I first started getting back into road cycling, um, the uh, Logan Race Club here in in Logan does a Tuesday night ride, and yeah. you remember that the Tuesday night World Championships. I mean, it's a race every week, and it was my first or second time going with them, and we were all in the peloton cruising up to go up Blacksmith Fork Canyon, and there was a guy sitting right behind me, and he was using the worst language. I I mean. I can tolerate a lot of language, but I mean, he was just F-bombing it, taking the Lord's name in vain over and over and over. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this, this has got to stop. What do I do? You know, on every rotation, there he is. I'm like having to listen to it. And the group broke up going up Blacksmith Fork Canyon. So I was able to, I got dropped. I, I shouldn't say, I, I got dropped very first. So I'm dead last cruising up at my own speed. Uh, and so I was just so glad I didn't have to listen to him anymore. Get to the top, uh, coming back down and I don't hear the guy. I'm thinking this is great. And pretty soon he pulls up next to me, the guy that who was using the language and he's like, hey, you're new. I said, yeah, I'm Joel. And he's like, I don't even remember his name. He's like, I'm so-and-so. And he just starts talking to me again, just horrible language. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, you gotta be kidding me. And I, I prayed and I was like, Heavenly Father, how do I handle this? I'm new here. This isn't, you know, do I say, hey, your language is really bugging me or like, what do I do? And no joke, as soon as I stop my prayer, he gets a flat and goes off. <laughs> And like, I just felt like if it's important to you, it's important to me, you know, meaning my, our father in heaven is aware of us. And if it's important to us, it's important to him. And, you know, I don't believe in coincidences. I don't, I think that that was truly a simple answer to my prayer. You know, I mean, it just, I didn't have to say anything. I didn't have to come across as some holier than thou punk or, you know, anything else. One of these dang Mormons that, you know, was trying to make him live a certain way. And so it just, it's just awesome that our father in heaven is so aware of us and so willing to help us out. Um, when, when we're just humble enough and willing to ask, I'm going to have to make a quick comment, Joel. So whenever I uh, meet somebody or, you know, even with general authorities, I'm like, what's their thing? Like, you know, what is the one thing I try to remember about somebody or something that defines them in my eyes? And just look, talking to you for a little while, humility comes out. You know, you won the loaded job. You've done some amazing things. Everest, I don't even know if I'll ever do that. But just listening to these stories, you're a humble guy. Like, um, and that's, that's saying something because in today's world, it's hard to be, you know, humble, to listen for the spirit, um, to just work hard and, and do your job, to be home with your family, um, and to recognize the Lord's hand in your life like that. Um, because 
you know, for a lot of people, I have some friends who were members of the church who are no longer members of the church. You know, looking back, they would say, oh, that was just a lucky coincidence. I didn't like hearing that guy's language. I got a flat tire. Somebody decided to go on a hike in the rain when you were riding your bike and got stuck there and you said a prayer. It's just a lucky coincidence. But I think it takes uh, somebody who's humble and, and is listening for the spirit to recognize those experiences in their life as the hand of the Lord guiding you along um, in those experiences. So thanks for sharing. You bet. I think it's easy to write them off as coincidences unless you we are aware of them and we recognize how often they happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, they happen so often. I mean, it just is ridiculous when we pay attention how often the Lord is in our life. And that's one thing I've learned all my life. I mean, I tell my kids I'm invincible. I should have died. I mean, we could go on for days on stories of when I should have died that I haven't. And looking back, I mean, the the Lord had me by the shirt collar and was just like, you idiot, knock it off. Like, you're here for something. I don't know what I'm here for, but you know, I mean, he just moves us from side to side and, and keeps his eye on us. And we just have to be able to recognize it and willing to recognize it. I think I I don't, I don't see it as a thing of humility. I just think it's being aware and just seeing that he's there. Oh yeah. You're, you can't call yourself humble (laughs) or you wouldn't be anymore, but no, you've always been, been modest. Uh, Okay, two two important questions. One, just because of that story, which was awesome, by the way, I have to ask, the first time you won Lodija, you didn't pray for your buddy that was a little faster than you. <laughs> no, no, I, 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 no, no, Joe is uh, one of my best friends and favorite people to ride with, and I fully expected him to win, and I was like, if I can get on the podium or even finish at the lead group, because my first year doing Lodija, I, I mean, I cramped up on strawberry, which is the first prime and was toast. I mean, I wasn't even anywhere near the leaders. And uh, so, you know, my big goal was just to stay with the leaders and um, it worked out and over the second climb up strawberry or uh, salt river, uh, Joe, held back and went at my pace and a, one other guy on our team he he just was selfless and held back with us and uh drug us to the top of that hill so that we could be there with the leaders because if he would have gone there were a couple guys that could have gone with him and we would have been done so That's i awesome on all to him i mean i no, but no, Brig, I, if you come race it with me, I'll pray that I can beat you, but that's it. <laughs> you know, I've uh, made that drive in a car a few times and felt like that took a fair amount of endurance. So we made us leave it there. Okay, the other one. Um, you, going back a little to what we were talking about, I think the discipline in particular bleeds from one area of life to another. That's one of the benefits. It, coupled with how tangible um, the, the consequences of regular physical activity can be, like you get to see it and feel it uh, easier than a lot of things, you know, or like, what effect does this really have? And when you buckle down physically, like you get to see it, you see it in the mirror, you see it out on the hill, you know? And um, I think that's beautiful. The flip side of it or the challenge that I've run into is, is as, as you start to excel and see those gains, um, at least for me, it, it tugs at me wanting to devote more time and energy. You talked about the miles getting longer and longer. And like with running, you can get faster and faster, but like at some point it's mostly going to be time and distance, right? Like you're only going to get to so many minutes a mile and then it's just going to be, well, I could do more and more often. So assuming that you've run into that tug of like, Hey, like 
I'm excelling in this and it makes me feel so good. How have you been able to moderate that and to keep it in its proper place while still trying to reach your potential physically? Um, I, I think that one, I, I am in a lot of communication with Carrie Ann about it. You know, I, I, I talk with Carrie Ann. She knows what my plans are. She knows what my training looks like. And uh, so she's aware of what kind of time I'm hoping to use. But, you know, I always try and I'm always aware of what my kids have going on or what she has going on. And I make sure that those things are a priority over my riding. You know, if I have a Saturday that I'd really like to go out and do a five hour ride, but I've got three soccer games, we're going to go to the three soccer games. And, you know, I, I think that all things in life are, we're blessed if we, we put our focus where it belongs, when it belongs there. Like, I think there's definitely a time for cycling, but I think there's time for family and there's time for, and when you're, when you're supposed to be a dad, you be a dad and you be the best dang dad you can be. And when you're at work, you be the best freaking employee you can be and you work your hardest. And when you're exercising, you do it to, as, to the best of your ability, as much as you want. But I mean, that's the biggest thing I've tried to do. And I don't, I, I don't put it off on my wife. I don't really anymore. I, I never ask, can I go do this? Because I don't want it to be, I've made that mistake in the past. You know, I, I, when you guys did your interviews with each other, you both said that too. Like, I think we've all made that mistake of saying, honey, is it okay? And, and my wife same will never tell me no. She'll, she'll never tell me no. And I learned that one the hard way years ago from hunting because I love to hunt ducks and the duck hunting season is a long season. It's 107 days long. And so it's, you know, several months. And I mean, I was gone all the time. And I realized on one tear filled night, the night before I was going to go duck hunting, when the season was about over, you know, and I was like, hey, I'm going hunting tomorrow. And it was, it was just a tear filled night of Carrie Ann feeling horrible because I, she felt like I was choosing duck hunting over her. But in my mind, I was like, I asked you if I could, and you said it was fine. So why are you so upset? But I learned that night how to read her better and, and also how to read, you know, my family better. And I can tell, I mean, we all should be able to tell when, when your family needs you there, you know, when you walk in the door and, you know, my wife has spent all day watching kids and you can walk in the door and just see it in her face that you know it's been a one of those days probably shouldn't be like hey babe I'm gonna go hop on the bike I'll see you in three hours you know or go for a run or you know but yeah um I I don't know if you know who Chris Burkhardt is he's a he's a pretty famous photographer. He does a lot of outdoor stuff. And, yeah. uh, I, I saw a talk that he gave and he's globe trotting, you know, taking pictures of just like the most amazing things in the world. And he talked about, uh, the dangers of coming home, just so stoked, you know, and walking in and just dumping all that stoke on his wife, who's been alone with the kids for five days, you know, mm-hmm. he's like, I had to learn to like, hold, hold some of that in and respect what she's been doing. Yeah. Um, you know, cause she's allowing those things to happen. So, you know, I've experienced some of those, you come home from doing something that just, it just makes you feel amazing and, um, honoring whoever's putting in the time to allow you to do that. Oh yeah. Mostly with the kids, I guess is what it primarily is. But it's notable because there's a lot of athletes in the world for whom like they set all that stuff aside and they don't have to navigate that. Yeah. Um, and I, going back to what you mentioned earlier about the Holy Ghost, I just I, I think that's fundamental that I, 
I really try not to stress about balance and I try to just really pay attention to what, what am I being prompted? What, what is the Holy ghost inviting me to do with my time right now? And if I'm living half decently and paying attention, he always lets me know, like, you should be home right now, or you shouldn't go do that. Just like you're saying, you can feel it. You can see it. So being worthy of that and respecting it, I I think that's really powerful. Absolutely. So do you have any other specific rules that you have for yourself? Uh, Anything regarding like Sundays or? Um, Well, as far as time, I do. I do pretty much everything early in the morning. I found that's, you know, time-wise that works best for me. If I'm on my bike by six in the morning, I'm home generally by 7.30 or eight every day, except Saturday when I do, if I do a long ride Saturday, but um, that helps. I don't ride Sundays. My dedicated rest days are Thursdays and Sundays. Um, I, I, I think for me, I feel better that I, I feel like it's, how I can keep the Sabbath day holy, you know, I mean, if cycling is something I worry about every other day of the week, there's something else I can focus on on Sunday. And uh, so, yeah, I, I shy away from anything like that. Um, I'm lucky, you know, as you guys know, both being from this area, we don't have a lot of events on Sunday. So I don't have that temptation or that challenge of trying to navigate uh, you know, am I going to do this race on Sunday or not? But yeah, so I, I keep Sundays completely bike free other than I do have a bike washing obsession. And occasionally I will wash my bike on Sunday. Oh, you gotta look it's good my shit. second favorite thing to do with my bike. First is ride it. Second is not. <laughs> Joel, do you have, I'm just curious, do you have any um, like podcasts books things that have motivated you spiritually or physically that you uh i mean you can turn to and say that's a that's something i really like um you not, not really i mean i i i i mean it may be a primary answer but the book of mormon is the best book there is for like guidance and direction on anything because there's no other book that I know of that I've ever read that brings the spirit better. And as Brigham mentioned, you know, the spirit is what teaches us where we should be and when we should be there. And so like, I don't, I've, I have so many markings in my scriptures that I go back and I'm like, I wrote something in the margin. It has nothing to do with what I underlined, you know, like, and so-and-so be sought so-and-so and I've got in the margins that it's, or, you know, like how it is something to do with spending time with my son, you know, and it's like, all it's doing is naming children or money. And, but I get some, you know, the spirit speaks to you at that moment and kind of like listening to a conference talk and you go tell your wife, oh man, that was such a great talk on, you know, eternal marriage. And she's like, that was about tithing. What were you talking about? But I, so I, and I'm not a big podcaster. I haven't listened to many podcasts. I, I don't really, I mean, there are a few here and there, but I haven't found any until you guys, now I'm going to be a dedicated podcaster. You, you have to say that. I'm going to listen to this one over and over and over to stoke my <laughs> Just this one episode. Yeah. yeah. Not very into podcasts, but there's this one episode. <laughs> really. You guys got to listen to this one episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, oh, that's, that's awesome. Well, let, let's, uh, let's conclude with one last thought. You mentioned right out of the gate that you love doing anything outdoors and, and you've got a variety of experience with, with outdoor activities and as far as i can tell being good at them too like just 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 a natural outdoorsman which is which is really cool um you know in the church in the gospel we we believe in the sacredness of the planet that we live on and uh and in stewardship over it 
which doesn't get a lot of attention in the church. Um, for whatever reason, you mentioned, you know, the mountains being as sacred a place as you've ever been. And I really relate to that as well. Almost like I, I need to get outside regularly to feel that and be a part of it. Um, what, what closing thoughts would you share about just the, the earth that we get to live on and, and play in and take care of and the experiences that we get to have out there? Well, Alma says it best that, you know, all things denote that there is a God. And if you ever, if you ever want to know if there's a God, just go spend some time in the mountains or anywhere outside. I mean, it just, I don't, I don't see how people can believe anything else with just the way everything works and its grandeur and its organization and its function. And, you know, I agree with you, Brian, we definitely have stewardship over it, just like we have stewardship over our bodies. You know, we need to take care of the earth and we need to do what we can to, to protect it and take care of it to the best of our ability. And um, I think today there's just this activism and, and this extremist mentality on both sides, you know, that the world is our oyster and let's take what we can. And those who think that humans are a plague to the earth and, you know, we know that we're here and that the, the earth is put here for our use, but that isn't our abuse. And so I think finding that middle ground and finding the places that we can do our best to take care of it and, you know, and actually do more than, than just say the words. Um, a few years ago, I was at Beaver Mountain and I was riding up the lift and right below Harry's dream lift, there was a, a can or something on the ground. And this guy skied up with his son and <clears throat> the guy is saying, son, can you believe someone littered this beautiful mountain? I mean, look what someone left here. Can you believe that they'd tarnish the earth with this? And then what does he do? He skis away and leaves it sitting there. And I'm like, dude, you just taught your son one thing, complain and do nothing about it. Like, if you see garbage, pick it up. You know, if you if you can do something less, then then do it. You know, I mean, I'm all for getting out and enjoying nature and doing as much as I can. And I mean, I'm I go on motorcycle rides, I go on ATV rides, I go on Jeep rides, but I also love to get into the areas where those things aren't allowed. And I think there's a place for all of it. And it's just you know, responsible use is, is all that we should do. I mean, it's just like our bodies. What do we have? We have, you know, uh, the word of wisdom to teach us how to take care of our bodies. Well, the earth isn't really any different in my mind. We should take care of it and not do things that we know are horribly damaging. And, but there are things that are here for our use and for our gain and for us to be able to enjoy and we need to take advantage of those and so those are kind of my thoughts on it those are great thoughts you know your body's a temple and uh nephi moses we know that the the mountains are temples too and so you should treat them both with respect so yep joel man i really appreciate your time this has been a great conversation i've learned a lot i know i'm going to make some changes and some things that I do just from talking to you. Um, so I really appreciate it. Well, thank you guys. It's, yeah, likewise. Thanks. It's a huge compliment to be invited to be a part of it. I, 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 I don't see myself as <laughs> too much to look up to or anything, but, you know, I, I try and do the best I can with what I've got. And I don't know. Life is good and there's a lot to be enjoyed. Most of all, the gospel. You're doing it, man. You're yeah. crushing it. You're awesome. Thanks for taking the time away from your family. And Good job. Thanks. All right, man. And that concludes our conversation with Joel Draxler. Another huge thanks to Joel for 
sitting down with us. Uh, we love talking to him, and we already want to do it again, hear more of his story and his experiences. A uh, huge thanks to you for listening. Honestly, at this point, we'll be stoked if uh, anybody besides our moms listens to the podcast. But uh, we do think that there's a niche here that we can fill and some some things that can be shared that will be valuable. Uh, if you liked it, share with a friend. And if you have somebody you think we ought to talk to, let us know. You can shoot us an email at ascendtogetherpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, 